212. Oh yeah, my name is The Tracks. I'm about to kick a little something that people know where I'm coming from, you know what I'm saying? Started off like this, check it out now. Now, hide your gap when you roll up the buck town. You might get brought down, clown said, oh fuck around. You know the flavor, if not, then you better act. I'll make your residence a motherfucking body back. Go get the best, cause I'm about to wet your chest. I'm giving shout outs to GT and Johnny Fresh. Big B, Dizzy D, you cool Chuck. Black got the max, and now who wanna get fucked? Nobody, cause I'm turning bodies into hotties. I'm the Godfather, so motherfucker John Gotti. Act like you know, cause I got the flow. I leave you dripping cause you're snitching like I hope. Jeff to the left, rest in peace. Can't forget Reese and my man Big K from Bucktown. Representing Uptown, R.I.P. to my man Hectech, so what's up now? I'm kicking flavors from Boogie down to Compton. Park to Portland Ave is where I'm stomping. You get smacked up, nigga, just for accent. I blew up Teller Avenue next to Madison. I'm suicidal like Kamikaze, except I don't use a grenade. I use the motherfucking IG. You get the gag to your back, cause you're whacking, lacking, true. So hide your motherfucking gag, hide your gag, nigga. Cause you know you don't want it. Gag, nigga. Cause you know you don't want it. Cause you know you don't want it When it's time to roll your whistle cock thing, baby And when it's time to slide your whistle cock thing, baby But when it's time to flow your whistle rock thing, baby But for now, hide your gag cause it's a block thing, check it Cause I'm about to wreck it on this record for a second R.I.P. to my man Hank Tech again Big Sid and Harry O got the cat Satan's getting mad because a nigga rolled a head crack Ain't nothing lethal, no need for the Desert Eagle Cause it's a dice game, baby, plus we all people Just pay the loop so we can slide G Hundred thirty third to get a fat 20 sack of boom I'm giving shout out to the brothers up on calling app AKA Bucktown Cause we sure to blast Ain't nothing fake about the mob when we rolling Tools we be holding Pockets always swollen Some niggas know me from the old school But some don't know me but they fear me Cause they know when that I hold a tune And plus I'm rolling with the mob I'm giving shout outs to Melly Mel Cheese And my cuz drawn And if it's drama yo I'm quick to talk a bullet in ya But if you people Then I shoot the herd if not I send ya To the moon because you never should have fronted So hide your gag nigga Cause you know you don't want it
just became the drug dealers that caused an epidemic. You are watching Cold Fusion TV. We're smart, nigga. Pay attention, y'all. The opioid epidemic in the United States was caused by a variety of factors, but one of the main ones is the involvement of the Sackler family and their infamous opioid painkiller, OxyContin. In 2017, when over 100 people per day were dying, President Trump declared the opioid crisis a national emergency. Here's the problem. Patients are often given strong painkillers when in hospital for surgery or chronic pain. While the drugs are life-enabling for many patients to avoid excruciating pain from injury or otherwise, many fall into addiction cycles from withdrawals. Some people graduate from prescription pharmaceuticals onto cheaper and more potent alternatives like heroin or fentanyl. The cases and causes come from far and wide, but research indicates that there is a strong correlation between regions of high opioid prescription rates and high overdose rates. I mean, if you look at it, four of five uh, injectable drug users started getting opioids, whether it be Oxycontin, prescription or non-prescription pill taking. So there is a direct correlation between the two. Annually, more than 214 million prescriptions for opioid pain have been given out, with more than 11 million people abusing their medication. But how did this problem get so catastrophic? Enter the Sacklers. The Sacklers pushed OxyContin to everyday people who had little use for the drug. They corrupted the entire supply chain, employing armies of sales reps, paying off doctors, lobbying for favorable regulation, and making billions while masses fell into devastating addiction. They didn't care much for the addictive properties of their drugs. They were more concerned with their bottom line. Their name is everywhere, yet not many people know about them. The Sackler family have invested a substantial portion of their $14 billion net worth into many museums, art galleries, and universities. The world-famous Louvre Museum in Paris has a Sackler wing. Kate Middleton was stunned when she opened the Sackler courtyard in the Victoria and Albert Museum, which consists of 11,000 handmade porcelain tiles. London's famous Gothic church, Westminster Abbey, even has a window named after the Sacklers. While the family is happy to put their name on any prestigious institution that will receive their money, it's a name that is far removed from their golden product, OxyContin. The reason why will soon be very obvious. So to understand the Sacklers in full, we must first look at the Sackler story. The story of the Sacklers starts in 1952 when three psychiatrist brothers, Arthur, Mortimer and Raymond, purchased a small pharmaceutical company called Purdue, Together, they co-authored over a hundred research papers on the biochemistry of mental illness. Arthur Sackler doubled as an advertising pioneer in pharmaceuticals. Perhaps by using his research papers as leverage, he was the first to convince the Journal of the American Medical Association to run an ad brochure in color. Arthur went on to make Valium the first drug to pass 100 million sales. He did this by marketing it as a drug to cover all kinds of ailments with a made-up term he called psychic tension. Previously, that kind of drug was strictly only for anxiety. So with the introduction of the invented idea of psychic tension, it could be prescribed to a much wider market. Almost anyone could fit the symptoms, not just anxiety sufferers. By this stage, Arkla Sackler was inducted into the Medical Advertising Hall of Fame. During the 1980s, a recent movement in medicine was taking place. It was called hospice. The hospice sector takes care of the terminally ill and end-of-life patients. Around this time, the Sacklers company, Purdue, would release a morphine-based pill called Emiscontin that could help cancer patients sleep. 
In the hospice market, addiction wasn't an issue because the patients would soon pass. Purdue would take this concept one step further. They would release MS content for general use. Unfortunately, MS content would be the precursor to the drug that would help create an epidemic. In the United States, MS content became the benchmark for pain relief among cancer patients. During the 1980s, several papers and articles claimed that the link between opioids and addiction was minimal and previously overstated. A letter published to the New England Journal of Medicine stated that the risk of addiction was less than 1%. Even though this letter was later retracted by the author, it didn't stop over 600 citations of the letter in medical journals. The misinformation had already spread, and it was difficult to stop. Advertising genius and co-founder of Purdue, Arthur Sackler, had a nephew named Richard. Richard would later become the president of Purdue, but got his start as a research scientist in the company. Richard would constantly be brainstorming ideas, trying to find new uses for MS content. Much like his uncle Arthur, he was heavily interested in the commercial and marketing side of the business. Purdue's former executive director of product management recalled that Richard didn't always wait for the research results. Richard Sackler would later become the president of the company in 1999 and co-chair in 2003. His uncle and father became the co-CEOs of Purdue. Within Purdue, Richard was an avid micromanager. He would send out bulletins which halfway through read, If you're reading this, call my secretary, and he would leave secret passwords in the text. Based on which sales reps called the secretary and delivered the password, Richard would know exactly who was reading the bulletins and who wasn't. During the 1990s, the company realized that they needed to do something about MS content. The patent was set to expire by the end of the decade. In addition, the use of morphine as an end-of-life medication stigmatized the drug from being more widely available. The company moved to make a new drug called OxyContin, with the active ingredient oxycodone replacing the morphine. Many doctors falsely believed that oxycodone was weaker than morphine. The truth was, the active ingredient in OxyContin, oxycodone, was in fact 50% stronger than morphine. Later, in an unpublished study by Purdue in 1999, the company found that the addiction rate was 13%, not 1%. The FDA even approved a claim that OxyContin's delayed absorption would reduce the probability of abuse. The FDA examiner who was involved in the approval of this claim left the FDA shortly and within two years had accepted a role at Purdue. Sadly, this move hints at corruption. In 2015, Purdue was granted FDA approval to market the drug to children as young as 11. Almost immediately after OxyContin was released, the cases of addiction became apparent. But rather than admit their drug was addictive, the company simply blamed people for not taking the drug as directed. Even Purdue themselves had to fire one of their secretaries after she became addicted to OxyContin. So the question has to be asked, why was the use and abuse of OxyContin so widely spread? Well, it wasn't by accident. The company knew exactly what they were doing. Purdue's strategy for marketing their new drug, OxyContin, began in 1995. First, the company focused the drug on the same market as MS Contin, cancer patients. The move was made to win wide regulatory acceptance and the integration of the drug into medical programs. The company began their targeted advertisements on health professionals. During this stage, sales representatives were encouraged to lie about the addictive nature of the drug. That our best, strongest pain medicines are the opioids but these are the same drugs that have a reputation for causing addiction and other terrible things. Now, in fact, the rate of addiction amongst pain patients who are treated by doctors is much less than 1%. They don't wear out, they go on working, 
they do not have serious medical side effects. And so these drugs, which I repeat, are our best, strongest pain medications, should be used much more than they are for patients in pain. Then things got really dirty. Purdy then began paying off all the links in the supply chain. Distributors were guaranteed rebates, pharmacists were given refunds, and patients were given coupons for starter supplies. Academia also got their share in grants. Medical journals were even making money from advertising the drug. Politicians were given campaign donations from both Purdue and the Sackler family. But the most important link in the whole chain was the doctors. After all, they were the ones who used their discretion on what to prescribe patients. Purdue had speaking events where doctors would be flown in to so-called seminars, which were essentially golfing trips. Thousands of clinicians were paid to speak at conferences on the company's behalf. Prominent doctors on the Purdue payroll played down the effects of opioids, calling them a gift from nature, and stated that the notion that opioids caused addiction was a medical myth. During a nine-year stretch from 2006 to 2015, Purdue and other drug manufacturers in the industry had spent almost $900 million in political payments and lobbying. Purdue lobbied and encouraged regulations that required doctors to ask patients to rate their pain on a scale of 1 to 10. This gave them a more quantifiable and tangible reason to prescribe opioids. The company was trying to make OxyContin a viable treatment for non-cancer patients. An excerpt from Esquire who did a piece on the Sacklers reads, The company rebranded pain relief as a sacred right, a universal narcotic entitlement available not only to the terminally ill, but to every American. By 2001, annual OxyContin sales had surged past $1 billion. If you live in the New York area and you are tired of settling with your career, with your income, and with your freedom, then turn up your speakers and listen up. Have you ever looked in the mirror in your adult life and thought to yourself, wow, I thought life could be better. I thought there'd be more. Well, I know what that feels like, and that's why I'm on this passionate desire and doing a live event in your area so you can see for yourself that there is okay. a better way for you to tap into your full potential, As to I not be left... Somebody done bust into my motherfucking broadcast with their bullshit. But, yo, this is smart, nigga. We're going to take a break, man. We're going to come right back with a few more smart nigga things. Once again, back, smart niggas. Checking in with Iron Sheik, calling that, aka Killer Baghdad.
smart. Yeah, but you have the Masons thriving because the Masons. When they become full breed and grown men, it's already implanted in them to have fear of the law and the government and stuff like that. That's exactly what they do. Uh, talk to me about uh, some of the rappers out there. When are we going to start uh, making songs to uplift our people? Uplift
Look, you know, like back in the days we had Rock Kim, K. Do you see that coming back, brother? Well, it's your life. It, 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 it's already here, but it's 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 being it's not getting the airplay. It's being suppressed. You got Lupe Fiasco, you have Tyler Quelly, you have Gene Gray, you have Pharrell March, Dead um, Press, um, you have the Jack You got not on Nas last album was phenomenal. Nas last album, he had a song called Stay. Um, he had a song called Stuck in the 90s. You know, he had numerous songs on that on that album, man. It, it was classic. Um, you got Jay Electronica, but they kind of muffled him because now he messes with one of the granddaughters of the Rothschilds. So they kind of like, they kind of like ambushed him, I think. And, and if y'all don't know who Jay Electronica is, he's Erica Badu's third baby father. And he's conscious, you know, he came up under the, you know, 5%. Drag. <clears throat> Yo, I'll ring our bell right now. Who is it? This is Dread. Yeah, I need somebody to go to the roof real quick. I'm going to come up there. She just opened the door for me, man. I got you, bro.
Going up those steps? Nah, nah, no, listen, I gotta get some to the door. Going up and down those steps, that's today. You try to steal a, a construction man property. Just make a bugger, man. Or, or, or Labor Day. Like really, my nigga. Why you think the police is there? Smart nigga shit. This is smart nigga shit. These niggas are smart. Until I don't know nothing until that happens. What's going on, man? No. Yeah, I'm a smart nigga. So I told this nigga. Some smart dumb. Hey, what up? This other smart dumb nigga. I'm not going up to that roof. So this smart dumb nigga get locked on the fucking roof. And as you see, I had to go on the roof and save his smart ass. That's another episode of Smart Niggas. Liz, what up? That's what we Yeah, see how we Smart Niggas, man. 
Right. We'll be back after the sponsors.
Yo. What's up? It's your boy. Smart nigga. Yo. People, let me turn this shit down because I don't want this podcast to get turned the fuck off. For playing somebody else's music. You know, they be like, Yo. You don't got the rights to play this music because. Fuck you mean I ain't got the right. They playing it on the radio, nigga. <laughs> but you can't play it on your podcast, so. Let me turn that down. But this is the mind of a smart nigga. You heard? Because it's the podcast, man. And the podcast, we got to talk to people, man. People want to know what the fuck is on the mind. Of this smart nigga right here. Man, y'all know that ain't my motherfucking name, but that's just the name. You know what I'm saying? The name. That you gonna know. Everybody gonna know it. Smart nigga. They gonna be like, yo, smart nigga, smart nigga, smart nigga. Yeah, that's me. Okay? Now, smart nigga, this is what smart nigga do. Smart nigga do shit that's just smart. You know what I'm saying? I like to motherfucking go to Google and just fuck Google head up with some smart nigga shit. You know what I'm saying? Today I put, what, smart nigga in. Check what we got from Google. Smart nigga. In the Urban Dictionary, DJ Jazzy Black is lives. So fucking what? That's what that bing was. Smart nigga is something that's not real. Wow. What isn't real? They say the Easter Bunny isn't real. Wow. They say Santa isn't real. Wow. They say a smart nigga is not real. Mm. See, a smart nigga is not real. So that's me, smart nigga. They say I'm not real. <laughs> they also say smart nigga, a direct contradiction in terms.
DJ Transmit Friday Pick Six Flame Train Goddamn, what the fuck is that? FNL Coldplay Kikuo Just Do Yo Accidental Dick FGF Plug Walk Mercy Effect Sherlock And that's today's trending word from Smart Nigga Music right here, we're listening to Zay Thrifty These are two uh, twin dudes, they um, a producer and rapper Currently being mastered by Smart Nigga Let's check it out Let's check them out I'm going to tell you who else is hot too right now. Chinese Kitty. Woo! If y'all know about that girl, man, Chinese Kitties. Smart nigga. Let's know what's up. But I'm going to see, man. That song is not finished yet. I want to put y'all up on some shit I was listening to yesterday by my nigga Nas. You heard? Yeah. Not Lil Nas. Nas, nigga. Check this shit out, man. It's called No Bad Energy. Now, I hope I don't get in trouble, man, for playing this shit. But I got to play this shit. 